lecture four part one of the endowments of man by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture four creation and providence part one there is no other god but thou who hast care of all wisdom chapter twelve verse thirteen god is the one self-subsisting being the reason of whose being is himself he is the one all-perfect being than whom nothing more perfect can be thought of his being and goodness are one and the same without beginning limitation or end of being he has expressed his own absolute being by the incommunicable name jehovah i am who am he has expressed his perfect unity by the term i am and there is no other the word being in its absolute sense belongs to god alone the word existence properly belongs to the creation god is the creation exists from him to define is to mark out the limitations of what is defined it is obvious therefore that god is indefinable to attempt to measure god by the light of human reason is to assume that he is not greater than the measure of human reason but this is equivalent to denying him st anthanasius observes with profound truth god is the definer of all definitions he defineth all things but cannot himself be defined he cannot be defined because his essence comes under no terms by which he can be expressed yet it does not follow because we know not god in himself that we do not know him in his manifestations of himself what do we know of any human being but what he makes known to us we cannot see his spirit or take the measure of his soul we are not ignorant of god or his attributes or of his ways god is present to our existence which could not be without his presence he is present to the light of our reason that leads us up to him he is present to our conscience that proclaims to us his moral law he is present to our life that derives its force from him god is present in his truth is present in his law is present in his providence and care of all things he is present in an unspeakable manner in the splendor of his supernatural truth mercy and goodness to our faith and love for although the essential being of god is to us incomprehensible and his divine life inaccessible yet he sends forth his light and his truth and they lead and guide us to know more of god than of ourselves or of any creature whatsoever for what know we of any of his creatures but their surface qualities what know we of ourselves except what god has taught us the inward nature and substance of all things are hidden from our sight but in the light of god we see light and in that light which is its own evidence we know that god is 
and that whatever he is beyond our comprehension to our most certain knowledge he is the infinite spirit and eternal life and is almighty all wise and all good we also know that god is the creator lord and father of all things and that he beholds all things governs all things and provides for all we know that god is the truth in whom from whom and through whom all things are true that are true we know that god is the sovereign life in whom from whom and through whom all things live that do live we know that god is the intelligible light in whom from whom and through whom all spiritual creatures shine with the light of intelligence we know that god is the supreme good and sovereign beauty in whom from whom and through whom all things have good and beauty that are good and beautiful we know that god is the infinite happiness in whom from whom and through whom all are made happy who are happy we also know that god is perfect love in whom from whom and through whom all love god who do love god and find their blessedness in loving god we know that for an intelligent creature to turn from god is to fall and that to return to god is to rise again we also know that to abide in god is to have a firm and stable life we know that to abandon god is to die and that to come back to god is to receive life anew and that to think in god is to think securely and that to dwell in god is to dwell safely we know that no one loses god who has not been first deceived that no one seeks god who has not been divinely admonished to do so and that no one finds god truly who has not repented of his sin we know in short that he who denies god must perish within himself but that he who sees god must first enter into the eternal possession of god whose faith awakens us whose hope gives us the desire of him and whose charity unites us with him how miserable then is the lot of those who muffle themselves in the unhappy delusion that they cannot know god who is open to their knowledge as well as to that of every rational creature the knowledge of god is the only sure foundation of every other kind of knowledge what prevents their knowing god but the pride that closes their heart to him and darkens their understanding the light that makes god known is near the sight even when far from the vision of the understanding for that light is in the summit of every mind and in the depth of every conscience but there are men who in their pride of fancied superiority look always downward and look always away from the divine superiority or if they glance upwards now and then the sensual veil of creation is upon their sight and the superior light of their mind 
is as far from their understanding as any star is from the earth they see it as a point of light but know nothing of what it contains society is so great a perfection of life that the pagans who did not understand the nature of god invented a society of gods after their own imagination but the one and only god hath perfect society in himself he has revealed his social life to us and we know the mystery of the holy trinity the most wonderful the most reasonable of all mysteries the three persons in god are not as human persons each of whom has a separate being but they are the three divine terms or perfections of one infinite and eternal life the father the son and the holy ghost are one god the life truth and charity of god are infinitely intercommunicated through the divine persons in the one substance of his nature the three fundamental powers that unite in the substance of our soul is the created reflection of the holy trinity so that the revelation of the holy trinity became as a revelation of the formation of our own soul and the knowledge of our own soul bears testimony to the trinity as a shadow bears testimony to substance the chief attributes of god are his power wisdom goodness and justice as his being is the plenitude of life and blessedness he is full with the glory of his substance the splendor of his attributes and the society of his personalities but the perfection of god's life is expressed by his goodness and it is the nature of good to be communicative of good generosity is the noblest and most active quality of goodness we cannot understand goodness without generosity it enters into the definition of living goodness that it is an imparter of good we cannot sufficiently dwell on this great principle until we realize to our mind and heart that it belongs to goodness to communicate good and to the greatest goodness to communicate the greatest good the infinite and eternal communication of the divine goodness is complete and perfect in the intercommunion of the three persons of the holy trinity there remains then but the sphere of limited existence to which god can still communicate his goodness for after the infinite there is nothing but the finite after the eternal there is nothing possible but what is measured by time after the unchangeable there is nothing possible but the changeable not only has god the disposition in his divine goodness to communicate his good but also to exercise his attributes generally by their external manifestation in the sphere of limited things not to his essential glory which is always the same but to his accidental glory and so to speak his external glory of his chief attributes 
the almighty power of god is manifested in the creation of a universe external to his nature his infinite wisdom in the ordering of that universe his divine goodness in communicating good to his creatures according to their capacity and his perfect justice in ruling all things to the final end to which he has ordained them or to which where perverse wills desert his good they are ordained by another order of justice every good and intelligent agent works for a good end as the best and most perfect agent god must work for the best and most perfect end but as god himself is the best and most perfect end it follows that he must make all things for himself this the scripture tells us that he does it also follows that what is made nearest to god in resemblance must be made more immediately for god as more capable of receiving greater good from him and consequently that the intelligent creatures made to his image and capable of his likeness are made for god in a more excelling way to them therefore he manifests his truth and in that truth his power wisdom goodness and justice those intelligent creatures are made that god may communicate to them of his truth his love and his life god is therefore both the final end and the final good of his creatures but more especially of his rational creatures whatsoever they have in the present whatsoever they may receive in the future they receive from god let us then keep these three fundamental truths in our constant view first the end that god proposes in creating is to manifest his attributes and to communicate of his goodness secondly the final end of the creation is god himself thirdly every creature is made to receive good according to its nature measure capacity and disposition with these fundamental principles in view we may now consider certain other great principles or laws of the eternal wisdom as they are either manifested in the work of creation or in the order of divine providence the first great principle to be observed is this that although the works of creation are planned eternally in the mind of god and have their eternal types in the eternal word of god they are executed in time and are perfected with succession of time to ask why the creation was not begun at an earlier time is to forget that creation and time begin together and that with everything created its own time begins time is external to god and is transient as we know and is the measure of succession and change that belong to creatures made from nothing the second great principle to be observed is the endless diversity of things and of the forms of things that make up the created universe 
each having its specific place and object in the general plan to use the pregnant words of saint thomas owing to the distance of each individual creature from god it was impossible that the divine goodness should be represented except through a great diversity of things so that what is wanting in one might be supplied by another yet the whole universe of creatures does not represent the divine goodness by any equality with that goodness but only so far as the perfection of creatures is possible the divine goodness is one and simple and is the root of all the goodness that is to be found in created things but as individual creatures can but faintly represent the goodness of god and each only in particular ways it was needful that his goodness should be represented in many different ways which by their unity of relation one with another should reflect in a certain way the unity and simplicity of the divine goodness that multitude and distinction of things was designed in the mind of god and established in the creation that the divine goodness might be in many ways represented in the multitude of created things and that each in that endless gradation of creatures might partake of goodness according to its nature and capacity thus from the whole order of things so many and so different from each other and from the mutual relations established between them a great beauty appears which praises the wisdom of god limitation is everywhere visible which is a certain proof that all these things have been created from nothing yet there is an ascending series of creatures from less to greater the one subordinate to the other each greater in proportion to the good that it receives but the grandeur of the creation arises from the wisdom with which this vast diversity of things each little in itself is combined in one harmonious universe through countless adaptations of one thing to the other element to element one work of creation to another one thing counter to another whereby all things naturally contribute to each other and provide each for the other and balance each other what is wanting in each particular work is provided from all the rest in what does any creature resemble god more than in communicating of its good to other creatures as god communicates of his good to all god is the first mover of all things he impresses movement on irrational things for their preservation and for their perfection and to fulfill their end he plants the power of free will and movement in his intelligent creatures that by their own virtue they may strive for the divine likeness all the movements and the powers of action given by god to his creatures are for the sake of the divine goodness not because they can increase that goodness 
but that they may each according to their nature gain some participation of that goodness and may reflect something of that goodness but the climax of this creation is the human soul in which all the different species of creation find their unity for whereas each species of creature beneath man has but its own form the light of his mind is so wonderful that it is capable of receiving the forms of all creatures in which they are mirrored in a unity that in a human way resembles the perfect unity in which all things are contemplated in the eternal mind of god why is this wonderful light given to him but that he may learn in that light which god has shown to him to see all things in god and to refer all things to god in whom all things have their end thus he who creates all things provides for all things and delights in making his providence conspicuous from the attraction or repulsion of particles of matter to the musical movement of the great orbs in the heavens all things are ordained and fitted to each other in number weight and measure from the first wailing of the newborn infant to the lofty contemplation of the theologian and the ardent love of the saint god has disposed ascensions in the heart of man from earth towards the gates of heaven and from the gates of heaven to his eternal presence why do we boast our science and pride ourselves on our skill god is the one great metaphysician who creates and illuminates all spirits god is the great theologian from whose light and truth all theology descends god is the divine astronomer who orders the heavenly bodies and sets them in their movements god is the geometrician who gave to all things their number weight and measure he is the geologist who framed the earth on its rocky foundations the botanist who planted the woods and shrubs with their flowers and fruits the naturalist who constructed the animal world the physiologist who formed the body of man with all its functions the biologist who gives life to all that lives after men have toiled long and often failed they find out some little of his science some lower manifestation of his wisdom some partial examples of his operations and then boast of them as their own god is the sublime architect of the universe and the artist of all the beauty that is seen in the world drawing all its colors from the one simple element of his created light all that human artists can do is to imitate his work and to combine their imitations after a human measure so true are the words of the psalmist that the lord is the god of sciences and that it is he who teacheth science to man the third great principle or law is this that everything is made for something greater than itself 
and is made subordinate to that end for which it was created to give a broad example the mineral creation is made to serve the vegetable creation the vegetable creation to serve the animal creation and the animal creation is subject to the human creation but the human creation is immediately subject to god the fourth great principle or law of divine wisdom is the creation is of a most comprehensive character and resumes the three already put before you every creature in its first creation has more of capacity than of actual good at first it is more potential of good than possessed of good afterwards it receives the good that is proper for the perfecting of its nature it is made to be receptive of more perfect forms of good it is begun in creation it is perfected by the providence of god thus what is begun by power is perfected by wisdom which guides all things onward from their beginning to their completion you may therefore say that the greatest good of the creature in its beginning is the capacity that it receives for greater good and that every creature but especially man is ordained to receive greater good in proportion to its nature capacity and end the fifth and last principle or law that i shall put before you presents a wonderful instruction although but a crowning inference from the last god creates every creature on the verge of that nothingness from which it came into existence and with the least amount of perfection that is consistent with its nature and with the end for which it is made yet he gives to it a great amount of potentiality or capacity for good he thus marks upon that creature the nothingness from which it came and that in a way that can never be effaced it bears upon it the everlasting remembrance of its origin from nothingness then he delivers over the work of his creative power to be perfected by his wisdom his goodness and his providence with course of time so that all the steps in the exercise of his progressive goodness may be made sensible to his intelligent creatures let us now explain by example what we have already set forth in principle although our knowledge of the angelic natures is limited we know that they are pure spirits we also know that they are one thing by nature and altogether another by the divine gifts of supernatural light and grace which they received upon their creation when first created they were neither just nor unjust they had never exercised their intelligence nor their will they had neither virtue nor knowledge but their natures were made with a great capacity for receiving supernatural light and grace and for receiving divine good yet although pure intelligences their created nature neither gave them the supernatural light of divine truth 
nor the grace that brings spirits to god as to their final end they were placed in a state of trial suited to their nature as man is placed in a state of trial suited to his nature as they did not proceed one from another like man by generation each angel is a separate species and the difference of their several qualities and excellences must therefore be incomparably greater than is to be found in the human race which forms but one single species for god never repeats himself in his works their thousands of thousands ascend from lower to higher orders of excellence and gradations of intelligence beauty dignity and function and the higher enlighten the lower orders as men of greater intelligence enlighten those who have a less degree of light and knowledge hence the power of the great cherub lucifer the light-bearer to draw so many spiritual stars after him to ruin not by force but by temptation for although the greater number faithful to the divine help stood firm whole legions turned from god after lucifer's example and trusting in themselves they found out their nothingness and became creatures of vanity and proved the weakness of their nature in giving up their dependence on god confiding in themselves they lost the gifts of god and the bright path that leads to the vision of god they fell into ruin and found nothing but their nature in disorder their crime and their desolation let any one read the book on the celestial hierarchy ascribed to saint dionysius or the masterpiece of saint thomas on the same subject and he will find in them a most instructive illustration of the principles that we have put before your minds of the earth and its inhabitants we have a more precise and definite knowledge for although the angelic hosts were the only created witnesses of the creation of this world that in the morning of this creation before our morning dawned they might give due glory to our creator yet god himself has revealed to us the history of this creation that man might know his origin and the origin of the world where he is placed and might not ascribe to the creature what belongs to the creator the revelation of the creation and formation of this world by its divine author is a most wonderful instruction of which man stood in need and with which the goodness of god has provided him the real investigators of the world have confirmed the great principles of that revealed instruction even though the scripture is still true that he hath made all things good in their time and has delivered the world to their consideration so that man cannot find out the work which god hath made from the beginning to the end the distinction between matter and form pervades the whole nature of things created the forms of things determine their matter make them what they are establish their kinds and species adapt them to their objects and uses 
and dispose them to their ends it necessarily follows that the forms of things are superior to their matter matter is created from nothing it is but initial being although it cannot exist without some kind of form but the forms of things have their primal origin in types that exist in the eternal mind of god these forms of things as they are imprinted in the creation give us certain vestiges or shadows of the attributes of god in the material creation and certain resemblances to god in the spiritual creation this is the reason why those faithful souls whose minds are full of god can see his footsteps in every part of the creation and why like the holy scriptures they can draw so many and such various figures from the creation with which to picture the grandeurs of god although they know them to be altogether inadequate as all language is inadequate to give the full expression of their inward sense of god the distinction therefore between matter and form is no invention of the greeks although their acute minds gave the distinction its precision it exists in the nature of things and pervades the mosaic account of the creation in the beginning god created heaven and earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved over the waters time begins with creation and belongs to the creation time therefore begins when god creates the angelic natures and the material elements of the earth the first creation of this world is of chaotic matter without more form than is necessary to its existence which is mere initial being nearest to that nothingness from which at the will and word of god it came into existence it is impossible to imagine anything more remote from the perfection of god than this first existence of rude unformed elementary matter then the spirit of god the divine wisdom that perfects all things moved over the deep chaos of matter to bring all things in their time to their perfect forms and kinds end of lecture four part one